Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 9. Uh, most of these verses should be on the screen. You can follow along that way. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26, the Bible says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Everybody Needs a Barnabas. Say everybody. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, God. I thank you for this time that you've given us. God, you commanded us to give attention to the reading of the word and its teaching, God. And I pray that you'd strengthen me now, God. I know it my mouth and my mind uh, to be used by you now. Speak to your people from your word, by your spirit is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody needs a Barnabas. If you've been around for any length of time, you may have heard me share with you, as I have on many occasions, that every Christian needs three types of people in their life. Each of us needs three types of people in our life, and they're represented by people in the Bible. I've told you before, we all need a Paul. And Paul represents that person in your life who speaks to you for the Lord, that person who teaches you, that person who you believe hears from God and has the anointing to speak truth into your life. The reason why most American and Western civilized churches and Christians are powerless is because they don't have a Paul in their life. They don't have a spiritual father in their life. They don't have someone that they believe God has anointed to speak to them. And that, that's disastrous because we all need a Paul in our life. The Bible says, how can we know unless someone teaches us? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave pastors to the church to help strengthen and mature each believer so that we could be and do all that he's called us to be and do. The problem is the average church member thinks he's just a man like I'm a man. Who is he to tell me? I can hear from God myself. And that's not a new phenomenon, and that's not strictly an American phenomenon. If you read the Bible enough, you'll, you'll come across the story of Moses and his sister and his brother. And Moses was not some glory hog, limelight grabbing, give me the microphone, shut up, sit down and listen kind of preacher. Uh, he was just called by God, even in his deficiency. And it got to the point where the worship leader, who was his sister, came and told him, we don't need you to tell us what God says. We hear from God too. 
And her brother co-signed on that. And God gave them leprosy. And, and, and they may have, one of them may, well, obviously Aaron was a better speaker than Moses. God gave him that for a reason. Um, Aaron was the one that had the rod. Uh, Miriam was the one that led the worship. These were highly gifted and talented people. Uh, Moses was a self-abased stutterer um, who was just doing what he was doing because God told him to do it. But they, didn't want, they wanted to have that, I don't need any, I got my own relationship with God kind of mindset. And too many people have that kind of mindset today. I thank God for a real understanding of the scripture that says we all need someone in our life to speak the truth to us. And it, it's come to the point, and I think a lot of it is because uh, most churches hire pastors and fire pastors, and most uh, every church or most all churches have several families that have been there forever, and they run the whole church, and they've been through, there through nine different preachers, and their mindset is, I was here before he got here, and I'll be here when we fire him. Here's, here's the reality of abundant life. There's nobody that's in this building right now that was here when I got here. I was here before everybody came here. Uh, God used me and, and Gail to birth this church. Uh, both my children were born into this church, and uh, which, which, which now makes Seth the longest standing, never having lived. I had to tell Jake the other day, your little brother, he, he's, he's, he's taller than you, and now he, he holds the record in the church uh, for the longest standing, never having left and come back member, because uh, Jake was born um, two months after we started the church, and Seth was born two years after that. But so many churches have this concept that says, you know, the preacher, well, I can't hear from him because he's got too many issues. If you read the Bible, find me a leader that God used that didn't have issues. Uh, but we need a Paul in our life. You need to believe that when you come to church that God is going to give me something to say to you. And if you think, well, and, and this, was, this was an issue. I, when we started here, I was a much younger man. Um, I, I, th that was 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, and 50 plus pounds ago. Connie can tell you, I ain't always been fat, have I? I used to be, I used to be young and trim, uh, and, but I, there were people in the church older than me, and I was in my, I was in my 30s, and uh, people had that mind. Well, he's not even, he ain't old enough to tell me what to do. Listen, it's not based. On age, it's not based on ability, it's not based on who knows the most, it's not based on who's the best Christian, it's not based on who's the best teacher or preacher, it is solely based on who God called to do the job. And you need to have a Paul in your life. You need to ask God to help you have somebody in your life or help you to be able to receive from somebody who represents Paul. Not only do you need to have a Paul in your life, you need to have a Barnabas in your life. Uh, Barnabas is somebody who is at about the same stage in life that you are. Barnabas is somebody who's a Christian friend. Barnabas is somebody who can encourage you, who goes through the same type of stuff that you go through, somebody that can relate to you. And I said you need a Paul, you need a Barnabas, and you need a Timothy. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. If you're saved, there's something you can teach someone about Christ. A Timothy represents somebody who's newer in the faith, younger spiritually, 
then you are, maybe you've been saved less time than them, but you've just grown uh, more than they have. They, they represent somebody who you can pour down into. See, God pours into Paul, Paul pours into us. We, we, we uh, work together with Barnabas to get stuff done, and we pour into Timothy. Everything is like a funnel. It's like that $800,000 worth of food that we've given away in six months already this year. It just gets poured into us, and we pour it out into the community. That's how blessings are designed by God to operate. You need to look at your life as a funnel. You need to look at the money that comes into your life as a funnel. God's just going to funnel some of it out to your family, some of it out to ministry, some of it out to the community. But you need a Paul, you need a Barnabas, and you need a Timothy. And I want you to start thinking about these uh, roles in your life. And I want you to let somebody be a Paul to you. And I want you to find somebody that can be a Barnabas to you. And if you're saved, I want you to find someone that you can encourage. You can encourage through social media. You can encourage through cards and letters. You can encourage through a phone call. There's lots of different ways you can do it. But if you don't have these three people in your life, then you don't have a good solid flow going on in your life. Now, the man that we just read about in our opening text is called Saul. But he's the same man that we also know as who? Paul. Paul, the great apostle. Uh, so here, here's the question. Who changed Saul's name to Paul? Okay, I heard Jesus and I heard God. And so I'm going to help all y'all today with some real Bible learning. No one. No one. There is this common, you could ask 99% of all Christians, why did God change Saul's name to Paul, and they will give you some reason why God did it. But God never did it. God didn't change. They, they get that confused because God changed Jacob's name to Israel. God changed uh, Abram's name to Abraham. God changed different people's names uh, before. But God didn't change Saul's name to Paul. He was Saul before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And if you read in the Bible after his Damascus conversion, the Bible still oftentimes refers to him as Saul. Here's the reality. They lived in a uh, multi-ethnic community, and Paul was a Jew. If you read his resume, his pedigree in his epistles, you'll find out that he was a, uh, a Pharisee, he was a Jew, he was a strict order, uh, Orthodox Jew, but he was born in a Roman province, so he also had Roman citizenship. And Saul was his Hebrew name, and Paul was his Roman usage of that name. Many people in the Bible times went, had multiple names like that, and so... If you don't learn anything today, learn this. God didn't change Saul into Paul. God changed Saul, also known as Paul, from a lost person into a saved person. I hope you've had that experience. So um, I, I said everybody needs a Barnabas. Think, think about Barnabas as somebody that's helpful in your life, somebody who encourages you, somebody who will let you uh, cry on their shoulder. 
let you rant a little bit before they cut you off and tell you suck it up and be a real Christian. Somebody who, who will go out and, and do ministry with you. Somebody who, who will pray alongside you. Somebody who's about at the same place spiritually as you are. And many times as you read in Acts that tells the story about Paul, you see him connected to this man named Barnabas. I said everybody needs a Barnabas. Listen to Acts chapter 4. Verse 36, it says, for instance, there was Joseph. We're talking about people with more than one name. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. So what's Barnabas' real name? Joseph. You guys are learning something or you're sleeping right now. I see four of you sleeping. One of them's going to get called out. For instance, there was Joseph, the one, of the, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Now, that's a great nickname for, for somebody to give you. That, that is a good nickname. Now, see, some of y'all grew up with nicknames. Some didn't. I mean, some of y'all, uh, we don't even, there are people in this room that, that you don't even know what their name is because they never told anybody their government name. They've just been going by what they've been going by for so long uh, that people just, just assume, you know, that, that Ray Ray's name is Ray. Well, Ray Ray's name might not be Ray. Ice Pick probably ain't named Ice Pick. Uh, and, you know, Precious probably ain't really named Precious. Or Princess surely wasn't named Princess. She just decided she'd act like one. But people get nicknames. And the apostles gave Barnabas this nickname, which means son of encouragement, because Barnabas proved himself a very helpful, encouraging man in the first century church. Listen to how helpful he was in the very next verse. Acts 4.37 says, He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, you know when people start selling off stuff, and giving it to the Lord's uh, church, because notice he didn't say he gave the money to God. I've had people say, I don't give money to church, I give money to God. Well, what's his bank account number? Where are you wiring that straight to? You got, you got some type of ACH debit. What's, how are you getting it? To, you give the money to the Lord's apostles, and once it leaves your hand, you're no longer accountable for it. That's not even in this message, but that's just good teaching for somebody. People are like, well, I want to see how the church spent the money I gave. Uh, you still considering that your money. Once you give it to the Lord, uh, you're responsible to give it. The church is responsible for how they spend it. But Barnabas took this field. He was a landowner, so Barnabas had, had some money. Barnabas was a person of note. Most people didn't own land and, and fields back then, but he did, it says he brought the money. It doesn't say he brought a portion of the money. He brought the money to the apostles, um, and that was a huge help to them. Uh, do you know when the best time to give an extra offering is to the church? Always. There's always a need. There's always I know people are saying, well, I'm saving this. Uh, you know, I got some money I want to give, but I'm saving it for a big event. There's always a big event. There, there's always, we, we have a big event, comes regular. It's called JEA. It's always there. Uh, and, uh, but the, we don't know how they spent the money, and it doesn't matter. The Bible gives us this insight into this man, Barnabas. He was 
helpful. Say helpful. Oh, I love helpful church members. I love church members who don't pull on the church constantly. Now, we have had quite a few high-maintenance church members in the 20-year history of Abundant Life. And these are people that everybody knows them because they've been working everybody in the church for extra money the whole time. They've been working everybody in the church to give me, uh, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And there's other church members that just come in, receive from the Lord, pay their tithes and offerings, serve God all week long, and then show back up on Sunday to worship God again. That's low-maintenance church members. I, you figure out where you fit in. And listen, it takes all types. And I've been telling our staff for years, uh, it's easy to love the easy to love. But God called us to love and minister to everybody. So if you're that hard to love sheep, if you're that high-maintenance sheep, uh, you're okay. This is the right place for you. We're going to love you all the way into low-maintenance at some point. But here's this guy, Barnabas. What's his real name? Joseph. And he loves the Lord. He loves the apostles. He loves the ministry so much so that he gives his money to it. Do you know money is one of the last things people will actually get right with God on? There are people out there that are saved for sure, filled with the Holy Spirit. There are people out there that read their Bible, they pray, they serve in ministry, and they don't tithe. There's a higher percentage of people that do all those things than there is pay the tithe and give an offering. National surveys from the time I got saved, July 15, 1981, until now, have stayed about the same over that entire 40-year span that the average church only has about 2%. Only 2% of safe folk actually pay the tithe and give an offering, and that is no good. But Barnabas was in that <laughs> 2%. He, he sold a field that he owned. Now, listen, do you think that money probably came just at the right time for the apostles? It did. These things always happen at just the right time. He had encouraged them through his life. He had encouraged them through his friendship. And he even was one of those kind of Christians to put his money where his mouth is. Now, it says he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Now, well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, was Barnabas an apostle? All the smart people in the room are like, I ain't saying nothing. Because if I say yes, he's going to say no. If I say no, he's going to say yes, and I ain't sure. So I'm just going to act like I ain't participating. I would, I would love to get a, a, a count on that, though. Most people would tell you no. Because most people will tell you that there were how many apostles in the Bible? Twelve. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, brother, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew are the 12 apostles that Jesus chose to uh, empower and to minister to and to do ministry with for the time that he had them. And there are a large group of people that believe that there are only 12 apostles and there are no more apostles left in the earth. Uh, but that's just not true. And it doesn't take a lot of Bible reading to find out that that's not true uh, because, in fact, Barnabas was an apostle. Listen to Acts chapter 14, verse 14. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, 
heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people, shouting. So just looking at that, now that you weren't willing to give an answer two, two minutes and 12 seconds ago when I asked you if Barnabas was an apostle, now looking at that, I, I want you to figure out, use some reading comprehension, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul, was Barnabas an apostle? See, you had some confidence there because now you got some Bible on it. And that's one of the great things about reading Bible. Real Christians understand you need chapter and verse on everything that you hold fast to as truth. And so we know for sure that Barnabas was an apostle. We also see that he's listed before Paul. Now, for those that have been around for a while, you understand that Abundant Life is a Bible teaching church. And so we, we're learning about the scripture. For those that have been around for a while, you know the biblical principle of priority listing. We, we see it on our food packs. I always tell you the same example. If you look on the back of a bag of jelly beans, the first ingredient is going to be what? Sugar. Why? Because sugar is the dominant thing. It's most in it. And we see that in Bible lists. Not always, but most of the time, with few exceptions, whoever's mentioned first is the dominant, or the priority. That's why it's called the law of priority listing. If you look at the 12 apostles, the first three are always the first three, and the last three are always the last three. And uh, actually, the first four are always the first four, and the last four always the last four and the ones in the middle get changed around but the reason why the first four always the first four is because they were more prevalent they they were more talked about and when we see Barnabas here listed he is the leader at this point in their ministry let's look at our opening text in Acts 9 26 when Saul arrived in Jerusalem he tried to meet with the believers but they were all afraid of him. Now look at the screen and, or in your Bible and tell me how many of the believers in Jerusalem were scared of Paul? All of them. They, that's all of them, did not believe. He had become a believer. Now if you live your faith openly as you should, you're going to have some family members that don't believe you're truly a Christian. Uh, when I first got saved, my mother called the church and asked them what had they done to her son, how had they brainwashed her son, and here's the crazy thing. My mother for the last three years that I lived in her house as a lost man cried almost daily and begged me to move out of her house. Um, she told me that she wasn't going to come get me out of jail. She finally stopped coming to get me out of jail. Um, and I, 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 I've told some of y'all that story about that big, see, some people just mock cops as being fat donut eaters, and no offense to police officers in the room. Uh, we got people who spent their lives in law enforcement here that don't fit in that category. But y'all know some people, uh, when they think about cops, they think about, uh, fat, lazy people eating a donut. This guy fit the description. This guy came to me in a, in a cell in the jail in St. Augustine with a donut in his hand, with a jelly donut in his hand with, with glaze on his lips and said, you must be a real piece of work. Your mama won't even come get you. And that was the first time she wouldn't come 
get me, and thanks be unto God the last time I went to jail. I've done a lot of bad things before Christ and since Christ, but I thank God I have not been incarcerated since I became a Christian. Uh, and and that's, that's proof of a life change. But when, when God saved me, uh, my mom didn't think, oh, well, my son's become a Christian now. Praise the Lord. She thought I'd fallen into a cult. She didn't believe it was real. Um, our, our church was so active. That, 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 that's the best summer of my life, Connie. Uh, summer of 1981, she was there at the Hillcrest Baptist Church, and we had a group of people that were just so on fire for the Lord. When I got saved, I went and made my public profession of faith uh, at the Hillcrest Baptist Church on the corner of Plymouth and LaBelle in July of 1981. I went that Sunday morning. They said, we got church Sunday night. And Joe Moore, I know you remember, Joe Moore said, I'll come and get you. I mean, he, I had a car. I didn't need anybody to come and get me, but they were, they were just going to make sure that people were in church. So I made my profession of faith Sunday morning. Went back to church on Sunday night. They told me on Sunday night, we got a youth Bible study tomorrow. And, and it was that night that I met that, that whole crowd of young people, Eddie Pitts and Mike Pelham and, and a bunch of other people. And they said, well, we're all going to watch the men's softball uh, game tomorrow night, Tuesday night. And so we had a, a nationally ranked team playing softball at the church at that time. And then so I went to church that Tuesday night. And then they said, you know, well, we got midweek Bible study tomorrow. And so I went to midweek Bible study. And I learned at midweek Bible study they had door-to-door soul winning visitation on Thursday night. So I went to church that Thursday night. And then they told me we got this ministry on the weekend on Friday and Saturday night called The Peacemaker. And that's where I met Bob Lynch and uh, I went Friday night, I went Saturday night, next day, Sunday, I got up Sunday morning church, Sunday night back to church, Monday night, t- uh, youth Bible study, Tuesday night, softball game, Wednesday night, midweek Bible study, Thursday night, door-to-door, so, and that went on, and that went on for weeks like that, and my mom just got so overrun with it, she's like, this is a cult, nobody goes to church that much. There are people in this room who have had family members, that you've told me, have had family members tell them nobody goes to church as much as you. We only come to church, you know. Well, I mean, if you're in food and clothing and you're on the praise and worship team, you, 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 you might come to church four or five days a week. But the, the moral of the story is if people think that they know you, they might be hesitant to believe that you become a true believer. Especially on this dude, Paul, because remember what his job was before he became the great apostle. He was carrying letters from the Roman government to kill people who were following Jesus. And he was the one having men and women and children executed just for the crime of calling Jesus their king and not Caesar. Now, could you imagine sitting in a church? Here you are. You have... You, you, you knew Jesus when he was alive. You, you, you served with him. You, you were part of the group when he fed the, the fishes and the loaves. You watched him do miracles. You were in this tight-knit fellowship. You were part of the 120 people that were saved, waiting on uh, the Spirit to come in the upper room in Acts. And you got this guy. Now the church is growing, and you got this guy. This hard charger named Saul of Tarsus. And he's going around, and he probably had some of their relatives killed. Imagine some of these people in some of these churches Paul went to. There's no doubt some of them had family members that got arrested or 
executed because of this man. Now all of a sudden they're supposed to embrace him as their Christian leader. Anybody follow me? You got to know that wasn't easy. That wouldn't easy. That would be like the closest analogy I can get to it is like if uh, Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church. Anybody ever heard of Shiloh? Uh, one, 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 one thing about Shiloh, uh, they have clearly defined their target group. Shiloh is an African-American church for us, by us. Uh, if you don't believe me, go there one time. Uh, now, our church, nobody in this room can be like, oh, well, I, I feel like I'm the only sprinkle of salt in the room. No, there's a little bit of salt in the room. You can't feel like you're the only sprinkle of pepper in the room because there's a little bit of pepper in the room. Uh, there's even a little cayenne in the room. But um, bell pepper, a little, uh, you know, that, but... Yeah, all, some of that. It's all, we're, we're a mixed congregation, uh, but there are some churches in our city that are all white membership, all black membership. The, the best analogy I could give for our times is if the grand wizard of the Klan walked in to Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church on Sunday morning, and the pastor said, this is our great and high apostle. He's the man of the hour. He's the man that has God's word in his mouth. Do you know how all them black people would look at that man in that clan gear? We're supposed to sit here under him. And this is, this is why they're like, mm, I don't know about this Saul dude. Uh, yeah, I got a cousin. Uh, my nephew's niece on my sister's side, thrice removed by divorce and remarriage and incest, had a brother who had a next-door neighbor who Saul got arrested. Everybody wants to live off somebody else's story. Be offended for somebody else. You ain't never even had it happen to you, but it happened to somebody else, and you're still wearing it. They had that going on, and they said, man, mm -mm, I ain't, no. He tried to meet with him. What do you get? Give me some Bible thinkers in the room. When it says he tried to meet with them, did he meet with them? No. He tried. They wouldn't even go to church with this dude. They wouldn't accept. Now, all of them, does all of them include the, the apostles? Yes, it's all of them. The, the leaders, the preachers, the apostles. Oh, they were like, mm, no, can't have them. Listen, do not judge somebody based on what you know about them or what you think you know about them here's here's the reality life's hard and people's judgment on you can be even harder and man if they had anybody to judge it was Saul and they're like mm, yeah we 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 ain't going to church with him because we don't believe he is a true believer here here's here's some news flash to the church they were wrong. He was as bad as they said he was, but God forgave him anyhow. He was guilty of everything they said about him, but God called him anyhow. He had done more horrible things than any other person in that church, but God made him the leader anyhow. And in, in verse 27 it says then. When, when does then happen, church? Then happens after. After all these people dissed him. After all these people shunned him. After all these people said, now, he can't be my preacher. He can't, he can't be my leader. Then Barnabas brought him 
to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Notice the, the Bible still calling him Saul. I told y'all God didn't change his name from Saul to Paul. His, his Hebrew name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul. And God sent him out to minister to Gentiles. So he used Paul in his Gentile ministry. And he used Saul when he was in Jerusalem where we find him now. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Damascus. So here we see. They've already shunned him. They've already said, we don't believe he's a Christian. We're not going to church with him. He's certainly not going to teach no Bible to us. We've been saved longer than him, and he's a murderer. But Barnabas hand carries him to the apostles. And, they, and Barnabas vouches for him. And Barnabas says, no, y'all got this brother wrong. Yeah, he's Saul of Tarsus. Yeah, he worked for the Romans. Yeah, he imprisoned and had executed some of y'all's family members. But I have seen the call of God on his life, and I have witnessed God use him. And he told them how Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Now, here is where a big decision has to take place. Are they going to believe what they know? Or are they going to believe what Barnabas is telling them? And that's the decision that you still got to be faced with today. If you knew everything everybody in this room had done, you might think, mm, I, don't even, I don't even believe they're real Christians. And you might, you might know some hearsay, some gossip. It may be true. It may be false. It was all true on Saul. But now they had a decision to make. But here comes this good dude, Barnabas, this encouraging dude, Barnabas, this man who ultimately would become an apostle, Barnabas, and he tells the other apostles, no, y'all got this man wrong. God has saved him. God has forgiven him. God has called him. Now it's time for y'all to show real Christian love and proof that we love everybody who calls God their father. That was not easy for them to do. It's still the same way today. It's still the same way today, whether it be racial, whether it be class, whether it be social strata. It's still the same way people want to hold somebody to their past. Let me say this to you. Some of y'all are so held by your past. Let me say the Bible says that God chooses to forget your sin and remember it no more. Don't let your mind hold you to the guilt of what you've done in your past. Don't let your mind hold you back from believing that you can still do great things. Nobody in this room has done as much bad to the church as Saul had done to the church. And if God can use him, God can use you too. Somebody ought to give God praise for that. That's good news. Barnabas lets them know. He, see, he's got a good reputation with these apostles and he vouches for Paul and they have a decision to make they can either go with Christian truth because here's the reality what should they do at this point should they accept him and believe well God can save anybody you're my brother and embrace him or should they keep him at arm's distance and say I'm gonna put my good eye on him watching that dude over there no they should love and accept him and because they're real Christians, now let me, just, let me just hold off for a minute. Let's just get real like we're on a Wednesday night Bible study. What if some notorious bad guy joined our church? 
I'm talking about some notorious bad guy and claimed that he had been saved and was out loving God. Do, do y'all realize there'd be people in this room that would hesitate to embrace that notorious bad person? I ain't even going to give you no names because it'll just take you into the wrong mood. But we wouldn't we would have to look past the daily newspaper to think of some people that you wouldn't want joining your church. Think of how that must sound to God. It ain't your church. It ain't Pastor Scott's church. The church belongs to Jesus. He's the head of the church. It's his church. He called it my church. And God saves who he wants to save. And we need to learn how to forgive people and let them go from what they've done wrong as God's forgiven us and let us go from what we've done wrong. The Bible says freely you receive, freely ought you to give. You ought to give away forgiveness as quick as possible because you know what God has done for you. So Barnabas uh, that brings them in. He, he vouches for them. They've got this choice to make. In verse 28, the Bible says, So Saul stayed with the apostles and went around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. What a victory for the church. What a triumph for fellowship. What a, what a true show of these church members and leaders who wouldn't even meet with him. They, they wouldn't accept him. They didn't believe he was saved. Now they let him stay with them and go and preach with them. I'm I don't know who you got ought with. I don't know who you got issue with. I don't know who you're holding to what they've done to you, for you, with you, or against you. But you ought to be like these believers in the first century and say, you know what? That was then, this is now. And we're going to believe the best about God's children. And listen, they're going to prove us wrong, but then we're going to believe the best anyhow. Because we choose to, by faith, believe that if God can save them, we've got to love them and accept them. So Paul's now accepted by the others. Listen to what's said about Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. In fact, James, Peter, and John who were known as pillars of the church. This is Peter, James, and John. This is at the top of the crop. These, these are the big dogs. Uh, they recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. This is Paul talking to the church at Galatia. He said, even Peter, James, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. This, they made them apostles. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Now, I like how it says it in a different version, uh, and, and uh, some of you will see why the church uh, does so much handshaking. That same verse in a different version, uh, Galatians 2 9 says, When James, Cephas, and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me, Bar me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Now, we, we don't do this. We need to get one. I think we've got one scheduled sometime. Uh, I saw it on the church calendar. I don't know when it is, but a new members class. We don't have people come up and join the church. But I can remember, I've been in churches where they let you come and join, and they stand you up there, and then uh, the whole church walks by and gives you the right hand of what? Gives you the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome you in to our church. So here we see these same Christian leaders, these same apostles, from where they were in Acts to where they are now in Galatians, they, they're, they're giving Paul 
the right hand of Christian fellowship. Why? Because Barnabas gave him a hookup. Paul goes from being shunned by the apostles to being accepted by the apostles because of Barnabas, the way God used Barnabas. And God put strategic people in the right places to make sure that you get to where you need to go because we live in a who-you-know who you world. We live in a who-you-know world. And some people are glad about that and other people are mad about it. Why is it when somebody else gets somebody to hook them up, you, you, you're mad and angry, they didn't deserve that, but when somebody hooks you up, you feel good about it? Oh, I'll go even deeper uh, than that because I had dedicated my life to racial harmony inside the Lord's church. And so many people leave when they get hit with truth that they can't overcome. And so I'll give you a chance. But some people let the truth sink in and they grow from it. And the Bible says if you, if you correct a foolish person, they'll hate you. But if you correct a wise person, they'll love you and grow wiser. How come it is? And it's largely the media paints this. I love what Charles Barkley said about race relations last month. Charles Barkley said, I don't believe in racism. I haven't experienced it in my life. I know all about the history. I know America's been racist and a lot of racism going on. A lot of people have historically been discriminated against. He said, I'm going to just tell you, for me, I think most white people are great people. And I think most black people are great people. And I think the media focuses on the fringe cases to make us hate each other. He said that on live television. They, they didn't bleep him out. I was proud uh, of Charles Barkley um, because that is the reality. I believe the narrative is driven by the media harder to where we'll get upset about. I had, when the knockout game was going on, anybody ever hear about that knockout game? They're playing up north where they, they were just having uh, young men just walk up to older people and hit them one time and see if they can knock them out with one punch. Google, go, go to YouTube and just type in knockout game. You'll see 20-year-old men hitting little old ladies on canes and their head bouncing off the concrete. I had, I saw some white people on social media say, this is why I don't trust black people. And I, I didn't want to get in a nine-hour discussion with, 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 with a fool, but I, I went in and I said, so you think because this black man in New Jersey hit this white woman, that every black person out there just looking to sucker punch you? How can you be that limited in your thinking? But it, they, they push these fringe examples, these extreme examples, uh, to, to make. there are some white people that live in this country that think every black person that drives a new car got it by doing something illegal. Y'all believe that's true or false? And there are some black people in this country that think every white person is a racist and, and, and should bow down and give them some money. But we live in a who-you-know world. And don't be mad about it because God's going to put some, some, some people in your life, strategic people in your life, that are going to help you. This is one of the ways God operates. So stop being mad at people when it, it looks like it's working better for somebody else. Here's my example. I said all this for the setup. You can get mad and leave after this. Think about it. Why is it? When a white business owner, team owner, sports personality, why is it when a white person 
does something that economically advances another white person. That's racism, bigotry, patriarchy. Uh, that that's uh, that's. Uh, Systemic oppression, that's colonizers sta standing together. But when a black person with money or, or ability does something to help another black person, that's just good looking out. That's just hooking a brother up. That's just like, hey, that, I just, that's just, I, I got you. See how quiet he got? Y'all wonder why I gave it that three-minute setup. I knew it was going to be that quiet. Because we allow ourselves to get angry off stuff that's got nothing to do with us. We allow ourselves to get upset instead of just getting up, reading our Bible, saying our prayers, making good choices, and being what God called us to do. We get caught up in all this other stuff. I'm telling you right now, it's a who-you-know world. It is a who-you-know world, and you will find out. And, and it, happen, it happens at every level in society. I remember the, the week that it happened. I owned my lawn business. I had certain places I would stop to get lunch, always heavy on Burger King. The Burger King on Collins and Blanding forever was all white. And... Then they got a black employee, and the black employee did what black employees sometimes do and told one of his friends, hey, they let us in. So they got another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And now if you go to the Burger King on Collins and Blanding, if you're black, you're going to feel like, oh, we're in here. And if you're white, you're going to be like, Wow. It's different in here, and it happens at every level. There's a strip bar. You can't get this from every church. There's a strip bar on Beaver Street called the Silver Fox. I don't even know if the Silver Fox is still there, but all through the 80s and the 70s, it was redneck bubba straight off the farm, but then... It had a change, and guess what? Then it became something totally different. Why? Because we live in a who-you-know world. We live, and, and you better stop being angry. Well, the only reason they got that job is because their cousin is the deputy director. Well, praise the Lord, don't you wish your cousin was the deputy director? How many of y'all know nepotism works in every facet of life? It just does. And what you need to start doing is stop being mad at other people's upward movement and start looking for God to put a Barnabas in your life that can give you a little vouching. So, so now Paul is accepted even by Peter, James, and John. They went from shunning him to accepting him to making him and Barnabas apostles. Now, you got to know at this point, Paul has got to have real love for Barnabas. That person that bridges that gap for you, that person that breaks that barrier for you, that person that cracks that glass ceiling for you, that person that, that gives you that recommendation, that pushes your application to the top of the pile, you got real love for that person. Barnabas is Paul's friend. They, they're doing ministry together. But here's something that I want you to understand. 
And if you read, you'll find out that in the early chapters where they're talking about Paul and Barnabas, they're not talking about Paul and Barnabas. They're talking about Barnabas and Paul. Why are they talking about Barnabas and Paul? Because Barnabas was the preeminent. Barnabas was the one who'd been doing ministry longer. He was of higher reputation. So his name was always listed first. And it's not until Paul becomes the dominant speaker of the two in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, that, 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 Bar- that, that Paul, and, and from there on out, it, it, it's always Paul and Barnabas after that. It, it, it starts off always being Barnabas and Paul, and then it ends up being Paul and Barnabas. What is God trying to teach us? What is God trying to show us? Just because you start out ahead of somebody don't mean you're always going to be ahead of them. Just because you're the leader now, every pastor at some point was a church member, became a pastor, and then had to go back to being a church member. That's, that's just unless they died in ministry. But here's something that, that I want you to get, and I want you to think about how you'd handle it. What if it had always been you and that other one? What if it, if it was only because of you they were even in the club? What if it was because of you they only had any decent reputation? And, and you always recognized as first. They always called your name first at the award ceremony. They always recognized you as, as, as the head in, in the local association. And then all of a sudden, your friend, who wasn't even in the club other than for you getting him in the club, he becomes more prevalent than you. Are you happy for your friend, or do you look down on him? Now, you had to experience that, Deacon Dixon. Deacon Dixon spent 30, 30 years, even, right at 30, 30 years in the United States Army. Went through every rank there is to the top rank of the enlisted ranks. And when you went to Sergeant Major's Academy, there had to be, you got to go to this special academy to put on E9. They want to make sure that you know what you're supposed to know when you get the highest ranking enlisted man uh, in, in the military. And there were probably people that were E5 with you that never made it to the Sergeant Major's Academy. Is that right? You're sitting next to one of them. <laughs> right? Uh, there, there probably were people that were E6 with you that never made Sergeant Major. They never, and, and they're sitting back thinking, Sergeant Major's Academy. Dixon? Dixon? I, I was a platoon leader when Dixon was E3. He was sloppy. And there are people out there, and, and their jealousy as they watch you. You leapfrog people. You, 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 you started with a group of people, and very few, I mean, it's got to be the smallest percentage, less than 1% of the people who make it to E9. And, and, but some people, the people that truly loved you, even when you left them at E8 and you went to E9, they were like, go get it, man. Represent us well. Remember, we're Bravo Company till we die. And see, you got to find out where are you in this deal. Barnabas was the top guy. Barnabas had all the cred. He was the man on the street with all the street cred. He was the man. He was the biggest giver out there. He was the one making things happen. Now, all of a sudden, it used to be Barnabas and Paul. Now, all of a sudden, it's Paul and Barnabas. You got to wonder, how would you deal in that situation? To the best of what we know, Barnabas was okay with it. Why? Because he wasn't doing what he was doing for man's applause. He was doing what he was doing for the Lord. And the Bible says that promotion comes from the Lord because God puts one up and sets another one down. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when Scott Becker is no longer the pastor of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, but I have prayed since the inception of this church that this church would outlive me and would go further once I'm gone than it ever went while I was here. 
you shouldn't be doing what you're doing for people. You should be doing what you're doing for God. That's the only way these two guys were able to still stay in it. And, and, and I, I told you, I started off by saying everybody needs a Barnabas, a true friend, somebody who's got your back in good times, bad times, somebody who don't care if they call your name first and their name second. You need a true friend who will love you in every season of life. And if you don't have that person in your life yet, start asking God for that person. Because I know some of you don't have that person in your life. I want you to start asking God to send you that person. Because it's important to have Christian friends. And there are people in this room who they come to church, they know they're going to see this one, that one, and the other one, and they're glad to see their friends at church. And uh, it's, it's part of the experience of coming. They, they enjoy seeing the people that they enjoy. And there's other people in the room that feel like nobody knows their name and they don't have any friends in the church at all. Maybe you have lots of people that you, you view as friends inside this church. Maybe you don't, but I'm going to tell you something. We need to have friends in the body of Christ because I've seen this so many times and it's not theologically great but it is experientially accurate many times when it comes to being in church your friends will bring you when your faith is failing you your friends will bring you when your faith is failing you I guarantee you as much work as our our volunteers do uh, there have been times where they or, or, or our praise and worship team I promise you, Deacon Ken, there are plenty of times when some singer or musician is sitting at the house thinking, I ain't even feeling God today. I don't even want to get up in there. I ain't trying to have it. I'm tired. I've had a, a, a crappy day. I, I don't feel all fired up and sanctified. And if I go tonight, they might catch a piece of me they don't need to catch. And, 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 but, but then they're thinking, you know what? But I love, I, I love Ken or uh, I, I love Cedric or whoever name they think of. And they're like, you know what? Those are my friends. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and try to flush off my nasty attitude and just go and, and, and do it. Anybody believe that really happens every week? It just happens. It shouldn't. All of them ought to repent and just say, say you know what? No matter what my day has been like, God gave me a life to live and I'm going to live it for him. That would be great. But I'm telling you, start making friends in the church because God can use friends in your life to keep you on track even when your faith is failing you. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to the Christians in a city called Philippi, and he says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? These are rhetorical questions. The answer is already obvious. Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? In verse 2 he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. This is God's plan for people who go to church together. Now, obviously, Paul had been hearing about some, you know, little church squabbles, sister so-and-so, then got, her, got a bee in her bonnet. She's all upset. She, she's just sure somebody did something. Yeah, he rolled his eyes at me. Maybe he's having allergies. Maybe he had something in his eye. Mm. She looked dead in my face and didn't say hello to me. You saw 
her look dead in your face, she might have been spaced out thinking about lunch. No, that's on purpose. She does it every week. Okay. Who are you? You're not the president. You're not even the ex-president. You know, you're not. I mean, people come to church. The devil wants us to fight with each other. The devil wants us to nitpick and beat down each other. The devil wants us to look at what divides us and not what unifies us. And we decided when we started this church over 20 years ago that we were going to focus on the one thing that would keep us together. We would focus not on the color of our skin, not even on the content of our character. We would focus on the one thing that unifies us, and that is belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only means for salvation. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, not by our doctrinal difference. Hmm. I don't know if that's the church for us. I heard they got tongue talkers there. Hmm. I don't believe that's the church for us. I don't think they have tongue talkers there. <laughs> you see how it works on both sides. And the devil's just looking for a way to, to divide. But God wants us to be together. So, so they got this going on at this church. And Paul's like, uh, put verse 1 back up on the screen for me, Deacon. Is there any encouragement from below? He's talking to down-in-the-mouth folk. He's talking to... Uh, holier than now folk. He's talking to people who are on their high horse and he's hitting them between the eyes. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? That's, that's talking to people who are bad mouthing others. Any comfort in his love? That's talking to people who are miserable and ready to leave. Any fellowship together in his spirit? That's talking to people who begin to pull back because, you know, they, they know things about people. He says, are, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Obviously, he's talking to hard-hearted, non-tender, non-compassionate folk right there. And then he gives them the truth. He said, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind. If you believe that there's anything good about Christ, this is the call of God on your life. Put verse 2 up on the screen for me. This is the call of God on your life, that you agree wholeheartedly. He's talking about inside the church with each other. Now, it is impossible for us to agree on everything. Just not, not even reasonable. Some of y'all would, would make it would choose. I mean, some of y'all would rather have a chocolate milkshake than a strawberry milkshake, and that goes against all social convention. Makes no sense at all. Makes no sense at all. Some of y'all think that McDonald's hamburger makes a better hamburger than the loop. And that just makes no sense at all either. But different people have different opinions, am I right? We're not going to agree on flavor of milkshake. We're not going to agree on the way everything should be done. But we can wholeheartedly agree with each other that we love each other and that God called us together. And work together with one mind and one purpose. This, this, this can't happen on all the small things, but it can happen on the cross. Verse 3 says, and here, here's how you're going to, because he told these people that. He said, how you expect me to be able to, to work alongside Elder Jimmy. He's just too white for me. He can't even say a sentence without saying, dude. He never dropped a bruh in his life calling me dude all the time like I'm some surf hillbilly, inbred redneck. Yeah, that's, that goes on inside the church. And so he, he tells them, 
he hits them with this in verse 3 right out of the gate. Don't be selfish. Oh, you're worried about yourself. Well, I think, I believe, my truth, the way I see it, what I want to do, don't be selfish. And don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Oh, this is a great recipe. It's a great recipe for getting along. And see, we have a strong camaraderie inside our food and clothing ministry. But y'all know everybody in there ain't easy to get along with. Y'all know there's been arguments in there. There have been boxes thrown on the floor. People walked out and said, I'm dead. You didn't disrespect me for the last time. But you know what? The Spirit of God, if that person is saved, going to work on their heart, and they're going to come back and just say, hey, y'all, y'all know me. I love you. You love me. I ain't trying to be in that. Let, let's just get this food out. But you can't be selfish. can't be all about you. you got to be humble. And, and, and listen to what Paul says. He said, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Can anybody in the room that's been paying attention say what event in his life may cause him to realize that you got to take an interest in others and you got to help other people make it too? Him and Barnabas. When Paul couldn't even get in the door, Barnabas was a door opener for him. Paul knew about getting hooked up. Paul knew about somebody that looked out for his interests and not their own. Barnabas ended up being an afterthought. Barnabas didn't write no books in this Bible. Paul wrote half the New Testament. Barnabas went from being the head dog to, to, to giving way to this murderer and, and this government sellout. And so Paul, speaking by the authority of God, inspiration of God, says don't look out. Only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I just feel in my heart like he always remembered Barnabas, took an interest in him. And I want to tell you something. If you'll serve God humbly, if you'll walk diligently before the Lord, if you'll endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ, the Bible tells us to do, if you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Bible tells us to do, God is going to bring somebody along that's going to open a door for you. God's going to bring somebody along who's going to say the, uh, the right word in due season for you. Because Paul didn't just know it theologically. He'd experienced it firsthand. And we need to get to the place where we do what God has called us to do. We need to stop looking out for our own interests, but taking interest in others too. I, <laughs> it, it just blows me away how singular focused people can be. Just singular focused. I, I know some people... Uh, they, they side with a certain group of people for just the, the wildest and most wrong reasons. And listen, don't look for reasons to side with or against people. Just be humble. Just look out for others. Just, just prefer others above yourself. I, I mean, I think of that old acronym that we used to talk about in the old church, JOY. Anybody remember what those letters J-O-Y stand for? Jesus, others, and yourself. If you just put Jesus first and you worry about the needs of us, well, when is my turn? 
got the whole wrong question, dude. Bruh. You got the whole wrong question. When are you going to help somebody else? When are you going to prefer somebody else? When are you going to take an interest in somebody else? See, Paul, he, he, he lived this out, and he had a friend like that. And I will tell you something. I believe, just like we remember the people that helped us in our life, that Paul always had a soft spot in his heart for Barnabas. Paul had lots of friends in ministry. If you read the New Testament, you can find out about them. But I want to close today by letting you know that fellowship is important because it helps us stay connected to Christ, and it helps us stay grounded in the faith. It's important that you have a friend inside this church. It's important that you have a friend inside this church. Even if you, Listen, it can be just this simple for some people. Even if you don't even know their name. I had somebody... Uh, I had somebody testifying. They, they were talking about you, Carol. Uh, they, it, it was, it was uh, about, about uh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, two years ago. I don't, I don't remember. But they came and said, um, man, I just want you to know. I, I, I'm just so thankful uh, for, for this, this lady. I, they didn't even know your name, uh, but she talked about a little white boy that was on your hip um, and, and described you and him. And I said, oh, that, that's, that's Carol. And the, the lady said, I don't know if we've ever even had a conversation, but she says it's always so pleasant to me in past, and she just smiles, and, and I just feel the love of God, and it, it's, just, it, it's just glad to be in a room with good people. Do you see how easy it can be to be an encourager? I've been telling y'all for years, you don't have to be an elder in the church. You don't have to be a deacon in the church. You don't have to be an usher. You, you, don't, you don't have to be in praise and worship. You don't have to be in children's ministry and in youth ministry. You don't have to work in, in, in the nursery. If you don't do any of that, everybody ought to be on the Smiles team. Everybody ought to be part of the Smiles ministry. You ought to give a welcoming smile to, to people when they come in. You don't know how far that can go. Because here's the reality. You've got to overcome, and I could call out four people right now, and two of them are honest enough to admit it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little ticked off today. I could call out four people in this room right now that have shown for the entire hour that I've been up here that they are just not where they need to be in their head space and in their heart space. you got to overcome them by loving on the people that you see here. Not only that, you got a special ministry at Abundant Life. You got to be the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down. Because somebody's going to come in here and they're not going to say amen to what I'm saying. They're going to say, ouch. And they're going to feel like, mm, he preaches too long. He, 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 he gets on Republicans. He gets on Democrats. He tells black people they need to love white people. He tells white people they need, I just ain't feeling it. You got to be the smiles team. You got to be the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine go down and tell them, look, stick around. God will work something in your heart. But you got to get to the place where you develop friendship inside this church. God created us for fellowship. And he commands us to fellowship. Some of y'all introverted people that think you don't need any friends, God commands you to be in fellowship with the people inside the church. Hebrews 10, 23, listen to this and I'm done. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Do you believe God can be trusted? 
All right, then listen to verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. What are you doing inside this church to motivate other people to love and to do good works? And in verse 25, the, the most famous of these three verses says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You need to hear the word of the Lord. God wants you to have friends inside your church. You need to find a Barnabas who can be an encouragement to you. Because let me tell you what, life's going to keep happening. You, I, I, I've said it for years, I'm going to keep saying it. You're in one of three places. You're always in one of three places. You're either right in the middle of a storm, you're just coming out of a big storm, or you're getting ready to go into a big storm. And that's just, that's just the way life happens. And you need to find some friends in your life. You need a Barnabas in your life. We need to encourage each other, motivate each other, love each other. You say, well, I've been coming here for years. I don't got no Barnabas or no friend in this church. The best way to get a Barnabas is to be a Barnabas. Did you hear me? The best way to get a friend is to be a friend. If you don't have a single person in this church that you call a friend, then, then, then my first advice to you would be show up to Wings. Go to ladies' small group. Show up to Man Up. Go to men's small group. Get in the choir. Go to work in a ministry. Get involved. With, 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 with the body of Christ is doing. And when you show up, don't be that one. Well, I, I went. None of them even talked to me. For none of them to talk to you means you didn't talk to them either. Seth started mean mugging somebody the other day at Firehouse Subs. I turned around and looked behind me. Why are you, why you hard-eyeing it? Because he's hard-eyeing me. I said, well, he may think you're hard-eyeing him. Eat your food, boy. Back in my neck's hurting. You're going to make me get up and slap this redneck? Oh. If you're not talking, if nobody's talking to you, then you're not talking to them either. Or you might be one of those people. No, no. I, I said hello. They looked at me, rolled, rolled his eyes, and kept walking. That's almost not probably true. Maybe it happened that way. Maybe they were in the middle of the worst crisis in their life. Maybe they were about to burst out into tears and just didn't need to open their mouth and talk. If you get over yourself, you can start being a Barnabas to somebody. The Bible says if you want to have friends, you got to show yourself friendly. And we need to become more unified. We need to become more focused on caring about each other than what's been going on. Last verse I'm going to read, and this is the proof text of true Christianity. Jesus said in John 13, 35, that your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. They will know we are Christians by our love for each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Well, what if you don't love the people in this room? You ain't proving that you're his disciple. 
Well, some of them ain't lovable, preacher. Love them anyhow. God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait on us to get perfect, to start loving us. He loved us then. He loves us still. I want you to start taking these verses to heart. And I want you to start being a Barnabas to somebody because they need it. Even if you don't have one, be one. And watch how God will start surrounding you with people. And God might put somebody in your path that can help you or that you can help them because it is a who you know world. And the last question I have for you is do you know the one that you really need to know to get into heaven? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life and no one can come to God except through me. If you're here and you're not sure about your salvation, you need to seek God because God said, if you search for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And I promise you, if you'll seek for God, he will be found of you. If you're here and you are saved, let's get on with being saved. Stop the eye rolling. Stop stop the hard eyeing. Stop the negativity. Stop the bitterness. Stop, stop, Stop the judgment. Look past all that. Here's the reality. If you know that God saved you, you'd be so excited just just to be saved. You won't have time to be mad at anybody else. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. This is what Jesus wants. He wants us to love each other so the whole world will know. If they see us loving each other, white, black, red, brown, BIPOC, Y'all know what BIPOC is? That's everybody that ain't white. It used to just just be black people. Then it turned to people of color. Then they decided if we're going to outnumber the honky, we're going to have to. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) We're going to have to lump everybody in the same category. So now it's not people of color anymore. It's black people, indigenous people, and people of color. But how, how in a world that tries to divide us at every level can the world see us coming together? Red, yellow, black, white, Democrat, Republican, conservative and liberal. I would say rich and poor, but we ain't kidding nobody. <laughs> it's levels of poor. That's okay. You be rich in spirit. Hey, we got, we, got, we got a home in glory. When they see us loving each other and our differences, they got to stop and scratch their head and say, how does that happen? Because in their mind, every Filipino should be going to the Filipino church next to us. And every black person should be at the Sweetwater church right around the corner from us. And every white person should be at the, at the Baptist church up the street. But when they see us coming together, loving each other, it makes them wonder. And here's what it does in the, in, the, in the spirit realm. It proves to the world that you are my disciples. And it makes people seek God more. I want your life to be a testimony to God. The changing power of God. The forgiveness of God. The love and the grace of God that he showed to you. I want you to start extending that to everyone you come across. Whether they deserve it or whether they don't. Whether you agree with them or whether you don't. 
just start loving people and watch God surround you with people that will love you. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, for your word. Help us to live out your word. God, I pray that you would increase the unity of our church in this divided time, even in this nation, but across the world, God, where there's so much canceling of each other and cancel culture is all they talk about on the news, God, and this group against that group. Let us be the group that loves each other because we understand that Jesus did pay it all. And we owe everything to you. Help us, God, to choose you over everything. Help us to choose others over ourselves. Help us, God, to be useful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.